We've come here today to worship together and to uh, praise his name, to sing praises, to offer concerns and uh, burdens of our hearts and all those things. Uh, we are going to now continue to worship through the word of God, the, the scriptures, the holy Bible, the inspired word of God. I, I want to kind of start by saying that this, uh, so I told you last week, we wrapped up Hebrews and I said, um, we're going to be starting a new series called Mary's 360. Um, that's going to start the week after next. So if you're a planner, um, I'm just give you the heads up because I uh, want to be clear about that. And, and this couple weeks here, we're going to take to do, I, I think, maybe something a little different. And I'll be honest with you, I'm not altogether comfortable with it, but we're going to do it anyway <laughs> because I felt like God has been calling us to do it. And that, that's really, um, that's just how it rolls. <laughs> God has something on my heart. I'm like, I'm just going to talk about this. So I don't make any um, allusions to how it's going to come out or where we're going to end up on this. But I, I wanted to talk to you a little bit today about something that really kind of hit me pretty hard in my own life as we were, we were studying Hebrews. That's kind of where it was, at, but it was coming from other places as well. And this is idea of grace. And, uh, you know, I was thinking as these kind of two concepts of grace and love, and I'm thinking, man, you know, well, I was going to say it's amazing, <laughs> right? Amazing grace. I mean, there's a song, right? But we all recognize that. Isn't that funny? Is there something uh, radical about grace? And I was thinking, like, well, what, is, what is grace anyway, grace, you know? Um, I, was, I was raised in a, a home where, where we would say, actually, I was thinking about my grandma when I think of this, that we would, we would say grace. Anybody say grace in your homes? Yeah, isn't that funny? Uh, so maybe if you, grace is like the prayer before a meal. That's what I remember about grace. Everyone's, we're going to say grace, you know. Um, or um, maybe um, grace is about presence, right? Um, you've, you, you might think, well, that's, what are you talking about? But have you heard that? You know, will you grace us with your presence, <laughs> right? Or you, you graced us with your presence. Um, I caught a video this week of someone who was able um, to have a private meeting with the Pope while he was in the country, right? And to listen to the audible response of two or three people who got to meet the Pope, in a, you know, not in the millions of people, but in a small room, was crazy, and you could just sense that he's gracing us with his presence, you know? It's kind of radical, isn't it? I mean, it's weird almost, isn't it? Do you think any of that stuff's weird? That like one other dude on the planet walks into a room in a white outfit and people gasp audibly? Maybe you're not impressed with the Pope. What if it was like your favorite rock star? Or, I mean, you know what I'm saying? There are people that were like, oh, you want to hang out with me? That's so crazy. Or, or maybe grace for you isn't prayer for the meal of that, but maybe it's something that's beautiful, elegant, right? Um, we have that word of, of like graceful movement. Um, I don't have any of that in my life, by the way. I have no graceful movement at all. But I, you, you know when you see it, something beautiful, elegant, delicate, and you go, wow, that's, that's full, of, what do you, it's full of grace. Did you see that? It was so graceful. Usually we, I think, use that term ironically when we fall down the stairs or something, and we go, well, that was graceful, you know. That's how most of us relate to grace, I think, in that way. Well, I want to pray, and then we're going to talk about what the Bible says uh, a little bit. I want to give you a, a little bit about what the Bible says about grace, because grace is all over the Bible. That's what I ran into this week was I was preparing um, to, to talk about this today. So I want to pray, we always do, that God would inspire us, that each of us here, that you would join me in bending our hearts toward God to hear what he would have for you today. God, what would you teach me from your word today? Um, not maybe 
even something that I planned, but that God has prepared for you to hear today. So we're going to pray that he's in the speaking and in the hearing of his word. Join me if you would. Uh, Father God, we thank you so much that you are um, so available to us through Jesus Christ. I, I pray, Father, first a prayer of repentance that we would not take that for granted, that you are always a whisper away, a prayer away, a comment away, that you are with us, that that's the good news of Jesus, that you are um, Emmanuel, God with us. And when we give you praise and glory for that, even as we come to in prayer, we thank you for the opportunity we have to um, be, be graced by your presence in our lives. I pray that uh, we never forget that. As we've come now into some time in your word, I pray that we would have eyes um, attuned to what you would have us to see and ears attuned to what you'd have us to hear. Um, I pray your Holy Spirit would intercede in the preaching of the word, that it would be rightly um, understood, that it would be rightly applied to our lives, that we would truly walk out of here different because we encountered you through your word. May you um, make much of yourself and less of us. May you bring glory to your name as you continue to redeem your people. In Jesus' name, amen. I told you this was a, a little different, and um, I, I wanted to start with something that may be a little different or radical, but here's, what, here's why it hit me so hard. And I'm going to talk about um, a little bit from Hebrews. Actually, I'll just read that real quick. Um, you may remember that it said, uh, do not be carried away. You don't have to turn here because we're going to talk about other texts, but do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings encouragement for the people um, it is good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace not ceremonial food which have no value to those who eat them right and and the, the thing that really stuck me was that it's good to our for our hearts to be strengthened by grace and I started to think about that how, how would our hearts really be strengthened by grace what, what, what does that mean um, I've, I've um, been in the pastorate for about eight years now, I think. Is that right, Chris? Yeah. Going on nine. Um, so it's been, a, it's been a good little run now, you know, getting some, getting some time. And one thing, and I'm just going to share this with you all because you're here this morning, and I just want to share it with you, you know, but one thing is that, man, I've been like, I've seen like mountaintop experiences with folks, you know, and in my own life too, so I'm not excluding myself. Like you all have seen mountaintop experience with me, maybe, maybe, if, you know, and then we've, we've seen valley experiences together, you know, and I've, I've, I've seen that. But one thing that really radically rocked me, and the reason I think this verse hit me so hard is because, I, I don't know if you ever found yourself like this, but I found myself knowing the grace of Jesus and setting with people I love and being completely frustrated with whatever. Can you guys relate to that at all? Like, I would be in the room with people I love dearly who I've been journeying with for a long time and I've been just pouring into and investing and loving and, and, and then I just found myself, and this isn't about them, so it's not, see, that's what I, it's about my heart. I found my heart getting frustrated or, or twisted up or, 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 you know what I mean, messed up because um, I, wasn't, I wasn't satisfied with things. Things weren't progressing or they, they weren't changing. And, and, and I spent a lot of time and I, I, I never, this is for me uh, always a very um, personal journey because I've I talked to God. I'm like, God, what are we doing? Why, why don't we see change in, in our lives? And then I even did some experimental stuff, which is kind of crazy. I don't know if you do like experiments with Jesus, but I do some experiments with Jesus, you know? And I'm like, you know, Jesus, why, why don't others change? It's so obvious to me some things that they could, they could have such better lives. They're so gifted. They're so beautiful. They're, they're, they're you know, they're, 
they're really, they don't see themselves rightly. And I, and I go, why won't they change? And then God's like, well, why don't you try to change something? Like, okay, I'll change something that's messed up about me. And there's a lot that's messed up about me. I mean, for real, a lot. And I'm like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change this. And I'll, not by my power, right? But through the power of the Holy Spirit, through, through following Jesus, through reading his word, uh, I'm going to change something hard about myself as an experiment. The experiment has failed. That's the truth, right? I mean, just, I'm still me. It's still broken. It still doesn't work. I find myself then going, oh, man, that's why. And, and, and then I go, well, what could change that? I mean, not what could make me better, but then how, how, how can I find that place with God where I can trust fully and love deeply and risk together? You know what I mean? How can we do that if we're constantly stuck in these areas of our life and, and sometimes it's sin and sometimes it's just brokenness? You know what I mean? How can we live in that space? And then the word from Hebrews hits me like right between my eyes. Let your heart be strengthened by grace. I'm like, oh, Okay. In Hebrews, the, the idea of being strengthened by grace is this, it's um, the basis, um, it, let your heart have its rootedness or its base, its foundation in grace, not ceremonial foods. You know, ceremonial foods was about keeping clean. Are you going to eat clean? Are you going to do the right things? You know, are you going to make the right decisions? Be holy, be, be righteous in the world's eyes. And, and he says, that's of no value. But what's of value to us as believers in Jesus is that we would be, we would have our foundation in grace. That the thing we would plant our feet on is grace. I told you already as I began to prepare, like it's all over the Bible, the grace of God. It's all over the Bible, and it's all over both Testaments, by the way, not just the New Testament thing. Like, God is a God of grace, and yet somehow as believers in Jesus, we have a tendency to, to leave that platform of grace. We have a tendency to step off of it into some other areas that, that aren't um, glorifying to God, that aren't good for us, having a basis in grace. The, I want to talk about the word grace, too, for a minute, and then we're going to get into some scripture. It's, um, it, the, the word literally in um, Hebrews is um, charity, right? I mean, it's not pronounced like charity like we think, you know, but it's like that's how it's spelled, charity. The, the, the base where you probably know it is um, uh, charis or charis. Sounds like grace, charity, um, help. The biblical, the biblical idea of grace, of having ourselves rooted in grace, is this idea of, 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 a, of a gift, or um, of a leaning toward um, us that, that we don't deserve. The, the, the definition you've probably heard if you've been in church all the while is, is unmerited favor. <laughs> you know, you did nothing to deserve it. You didn't figure things out. God, in his, his uh, unbelievable grace, blessed you with the knowledge and relationship with Jesus and salvation in his name. You, you, it's not about anything else. It's God's gift, us. The whole idea of the incarnation of Jesus has coming into the world and coming into flesh is a condescension of a holy to an unholy, right? Of, a, of an eternal to a temporal that, that Jesus came to dwell with us. That's grace. So it gives me pause and it gives my heart pause whenever I realize that in my life, and I don't know if you're like that, that, that we, we or I begin to move off that grace platform into something else. 
um, something of, of what we know, <laughs> of, of, of something we see, of something we know better than others, besides the fact that God has demonstrated ridiculous grace for us in Jesus Christ. Ridiculous grace. I heard a story, I'm going to read this name because I won't get it wrong, but I heard a story um, just in the last couple weeks um, about this gentleman named Mossab Hassan Yosef. Right? I don't know if you guys have heard of this gentleman before or not. Um, most of us wouldn't know him by name. I could even, I could even tell some radical stories, you know, about um, latent fear I have in my, in my own life over people who are unfamiliar to me. Uh, maybe that's what that does, Mossab Hassan Yosef. Maybe that makes you pucker up a little bit, you know. I don't know who that is. I'm not sure I want to. He was a Pakistani man. Um, who was the son of the leader of Hamas. Has anyone heard his story? That's right. See, a few of us have heard it. And that's not just because it's, it's out there and, and it's kind of it's safe. But what, what's amazing is um, he was a son of Hamas and he began the, to work with Israel. And his whole thing, he, got, you know, he was an angry young uh, teenager. Um, and he began to see the world differently. But what's radical about his story and what I want to share with you about his story, there's lots you can hear about his story. There's a movie called The Green Prince, and there's a book called Son of Hamas you can read. Um, but the, the radical thing is, I heard him say in, in um, his interview, I was raised Muslim, and I was invited to um, a church with Christians. And it was the first time in my life I had ever heard of the concept of grace, a God of grace. He, he had heard all the other things about God that, that we say too, you know, that the, the, the God is um, the judge and God is um, demanding and God is perfect. And he heard, he heard all those things. He had never in his life heard of grace. A few weeks ago I said to you, um, do we take that for granted that the gospel of Jesus is the gospel of grace? His story is radical, but what the most radical thing for me is that, that um, he had never heard that before. Something that we, we kind of take for granted or know. We're like, well, yeah, right? And if that truth had changed him so much because he had never heard it or known it, then why do we not live in that space as Christians of offering grace and grace and grace? Because for him, it was the door that opened to Christ, the grace of God. I'm going to ask you to turn, if you would, to um, the book of Ephesians, uh, chapter 2. We're going to jump around a little bit. Uh, today, I'm telling you, there was so much we could study in grace, and maybe there's already some passages that God's brought to mind for you, and that we might not get to today, and I would encourage you to write those down and study those. I mean, we want to hear the totality of what God says about grace, and you can't hardly hear it all, because it's all the Bible is filled with grace. Ephesians 2, chapter, uh, chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, it's going to be on page 815 if you're using one of our Bibles. This is Paul writing to the church in Ephesus, and this is what Paul says, because it is by grace that you've been saved through faith. We know this verse. And this is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God. It's not by works so that no one can boast. We've heard that verse before, right? That, that grace is um, sal salvific in nature. It's rooted, our salvation is rooted in God's grace and nothing else. A new friend of mine um, who's preparing to be a missionary um, overseas signs all his emails, um, sola gratia. I believe that's Latin for grace alone, is it not? I don't, I'm not taking Latin. Is that Latin? It looks like grace alone to me when I read it, so that, I think it is. Only grace, nothing else. 
says the same thing here in Ephesians. Um, By grace, we are saved through faith, right? And, and And then it goes on to say that this grace, or we could say this faith, is a gift of God, that he condescended to, to give this to us, that it's him leaning toward his people to, to what? Bless us, to save us, to redeem us, to claim us, to change us, that Jesus leans in to save us. That's what Paul says, isn't it? But then he adds this little thing, and it's not of you, it's a gift. It's not about any, anything. It's not because you went to the right church. It's not because you were born in the right country. It's not because, it's because God gave you a gift of salvation. Why would that be a problem? And verse 9 answers it, right? It's not by works so that no one can boast. Or it's not from anything that we've done so that no one becomes proud. See, and there's the danger and there's the rub, isn't it? Because it's so easy. It's so easy to be... Um, to know your distance from God, to know your inability to please him, to know your, the fact that you don't even fit with these people who call themselves believers or Christians, to be in the room and know that you don't get what they have, that you don't understand it, and to, in an, a moment, a precious moment, to be granted entrance into his kingdom and giving his spirit and eyes to see and ears to hear. And all of a sudden, it's so easy to go from that moment to being proud of what you or I have done. Like, that's the danger. Not of works so that no one can boast. Not of anything you've done so that you can become proud. That's not what this is about. And so whenever the, the word cuts like that, you know, it does it for a reason. There's a reason that happens in our lives. I mean, in your own life or my life, do you find your relationship with Jesus leading you toward more humility or more pride? Um, more dependence upon the grace of God or more confidence in all you've achieved? I think it's dangerous how much we can slip on that. So we know that the gospel reality is that it's, um, the, the salvation's God's, the grace is God's salvation to us, like that, that it's a gift, it's his gift. I even love, and I want to um, share with you from 1 Corinthians, Paul says this, let me get up here, um, it is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us the wisdom of God, that is um, our righteousness our holiness and our redemption. It's because of him, Jesus, God, that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is our righteousness, our holiness, and our redemption. He is everything to us. And then Paul says this, therefore, oh, go back, as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. If you're going to be proud of something in your life, be proud of Jesus. If you're going to celebrate, celebrate Jesus. He's our common ground. That's a quote, by the way, from the prophet Jeremiah, Old Testament. It says the same thing. If they celebrate, if they rejoice, let them rejoice in me and in my mercy. That's what we celebrate with the people of God. Turn with me, if you would, to Romans chapter 3. It's going to be a Page 784, if you use one of our Bibles, if you don't have one of our, if you have one of your own, you can look it up there. Romans 3, um, we're going to hit a couple of spots in Romans here. Um, some of you might know one of the verses in here. I'm going to read them and then talk through it for a minute. Paul, writing to the church in Rome, by the way, 
And this is what he says. But now a righteousness from God, apart from the law, has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Who's heard that verse before? Almost everyone here, right? How about this? For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Who's heard that verse before? Yeah, almost everyone's heard it, right? Isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing that in verse um, 23, that so many of us know that and can quote that as part of what we kind of may, may be known as the Romans road, you know? Um, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God when we're trying to convince um, the world that they're sinners and they don't think they're sinners. They're like, I don't need a savior. I'm not a sinner. And you're like, oh, you are because the Bible says in Romans 3.23, what's it say? And they say, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Are you part of all? Yes, I am. Well, guess what? You're a sinner. We're trying to convince the world that they're sinners. And so we share that verse. Why are we not as passionate about sharing verse 24? It says, and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came in Christ Jesus. Isn't that funny? That that's one sentence. Why is it as believers, we, we love, we're all our sinners, man, all our sinners, and we love to tell the world that, all our sinners. But why don't we love to tell the world verse 24 then? Now, I'm not being too honorary, but I want to back up and look at what it actually says. Verse 21, look at the Bible with me. But now, Paul says, a righteousness from God, apart from the law, has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. He's like, there's something better here. That's what Hebrews we talked about, something better here than the law and the prophets. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. So this is his audience. Those who believe are saved in Jesus' name. That's what the word says. The righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus to all who believe. And then there is no difference because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. What Paul is saying here in Romans, which I think is fantastic, and I'm not saying how it's been used to convict people of sin. That's fine. What I'm saying is, why do we love to proclaim that? Because what this is written to is the church believing that some are holy and some are not. That, that some get it and some don't. And he's like, no, all are saved through faith in Jesus. There is no difference because all have fallen short of the glory of God, have sinned. All have sinned. And that scripture, I'm convinced, is not about us going out to the world and telling the world how bad they are and how much they're full of sin, but for us to realize how bad we are and we're full of sin. Do you see the context? But then we go 24. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I'm a believer, I get 24 and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came in Christ Jesus. And you can go on and read all around that in Romans. I would encourage you to do that. Read all around that in Romans. So as believers, we have all sinned, and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. I had a friend of mine recently. I love whenever someone tells you something new about the Bible. It happens often. I love it. Um, and a friend of mine said, you know, those are two different things. Uh, sometimes we act like the only way to fail one another is through sin. But we also fail one another by, by not glorifying God, by, by falling short of his glory. Because all have done both. 
all have sinned and all have fallen short of the glory that God intends for his people. But all are justified. <laughs> but listen to the word. Freely by his grace. I told you, it's unmerited favor. It's the free gift of salvation. Praise God. He goes on to talk more there than about um, Christ and his sacrifice. And, and I, I know Romans is a complicated book. And I know maybe some of you have studied it a lot. And there's a lot going on in there. But at least see that today. Why then? Why then do you think? And is it fair that I've said um, that we are so quick to quote 23 and so often don't quote 24? I know Romans Road gets there. I know it does. But in our own lives, for real, like why are we so willing um, to, to do that, point out the sin and the brokenness, but then not extend the grace, not offer the grace? I think there's a good reason for it. Um, and I want to yeah, turn one more time with me to um, the book of Jude. I don't know if you know there's a book in the Bible called Jude. Do you guys know there's Jude in there? Um, Jude is found after um, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, by the way, and right before Revelation, so it's at the back of your Bible if you don't know where it's at. It's on page six, uh, uh, 860 in the Bibles and the chairs, but that's not totally true because in the Bibles and the chairs, there's not even a page number because that whole book fits on one page. So there's no page number. You have to kind of find that area and then look at it. I want to share with you um, verse 4. Because I think there's a good reason that we are hesitant as believers in Jesus to extend grace. I think there's, it's not because we don't love Jesus. It's not because we don't know we're sinners and that we've fallen short of the glory of God and, and we're justified freely by his grace. I think we have legitimate concerns for what it would mean if we would extend grace and grace and grace all the time. Verse 4 uh, reads this way. For certain men whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. They are godless men who change the grace of our God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ, our only sovereign Lord. I want to back up here. One more verse. I want to hit verse 3 too. Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, you see Jude's excited about that, I felt I had to write to you to urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to the saints. And then he goes on to say, because certain men... And I'm going to skip that part um, just because it kind of muddies a little bit. Um, I have slipped in among you. And they are godless men who change the grace of our God into a license for immorality. And I would say to you, I believe that one of the reasons that we are hesitant to extend grace to one another or hesitant to extend grace to um, even those outside of the church is because we are afraid that to be graceful would give license for immorality. Do you see that? Because like, I can't believe, as those who've known the grace of God, that there would be any reason that we would not give the grace of God, extend the grace of God, celebrate the grace of God. Why wouldn't we do that? But here's Jew with a legitimate concern. Because there are men. By the way, he's writing um, to the believers. What did he say? The salvation that we share, right? That, that I want to write to you about the really good stuff, but there's a problem that some use God's grace as a license for immorality. I think that, um, I don't know do you, do, if you experience that, but I think that that's some time of our concern. If, if Jesus died to forgive all of our sins, and, and, and if we can believe in him and be forgiven, then there's no accountability. There's no need to walk a straight line, to do the right thing, to, to live the right way, to make the right decisions. And so with good motivations... 
to help someone walk a straight line, do the right thing, as we see it, you know, we withhold the grace of God. Paul has um, something interesting to say about this in Romans 6. Um, you can turn there if you would like. Romans 6, verse 1. I'm going to flip over there. I don't know if I got a, a slide here. Yeah. So, um, I'm just going to read it. I'm going to back up into verse, chapter 5 a little bit here. It says, the law was added so that the trespass might increase, right? That's what the law, so that we were lawbreakers. But where sin is increased, Paul says, grace is increased all the more so that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul's saying that although the law brought lawbreakers, grace superseded the law. That grace was more. As a matter of fact, it said that it brought, um, so that uh, sin increased all the more. You can see there's this idea of timeliness. So that as sin reigned in death, in our dying, that grace might reign through righteousness to bring what? Life forever. That the grace of God supersedes death. That the grace of God supersedes the ultimate price that we pay for sin. With that in mind, then, Paul says in verse 6, same concern. Do you see you're in good company if you're worried? How do I offer grace? Because what's it going to mean for the person? I love the person. I can't, if I give them grace, what's going to happen? Verse 1 says this in chapter 6. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace might increase? No way or by no means. He says, no, no, no. We die to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that those of us uh, who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death, and we are therefore buried with him through baptism from death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we may live a new life. He's saying, so if grace is more than sin, should I just sin, 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 so there's more grace? And he's like, no. Because we are dead to sin. We're alive in Christ. And I think the danger is that um, for those of us who see this grace as this little platform where we're standing, we're like, but if they don't know their sin, they'll never repent of their sin, and we don't offer grace. And the tragedy is that we leave one another stuck uh, in a hopeless situation with no way forward, with no redemption, with no salvation. And we give up on each other and we go, I tried. No, this grace brings faith, brings salvation. It's a gift of God. And I wonder, really, why are we so hesitant to proclaim it over one another? May I remind you, brothers and sisters, this morning, that you are saved by grace through faith. And that this is not of yourselves. It's a gift from God so that no one can boast. You see? Why, why wouldn't we lavish that on one another? Are we truly afraid? Do you truly think that if you would come to me, or I would come to you, or we would go to a stranger and say, do you not know the grace you have in Christ Jesus, that, that a person who recognizes that as what it is, who is believing in faith, has the gift of faith, would then turn and walk on the name of Jesus you know, and, and because you came with grace? I don't think so, man. Um, I think grace leads to repentance, you know? Um, I didn't repent of my sins, 
because um, I knew if I got right with God, I would be saved. Huh? No, um, I was saved through grace, and because of his grace, I repented of my sins. How about you? How did it work for you? Because that's the model that I see in Scripture. So repent and believe the good news. The kingdom of God is near. Oh, I think, church, we could do such a better job. And I know, and maybe you aren't like me. I mean, maybe you're a person who just goes grace upon grace upon grace. But man, I mean, I feel like we kind of keep the doors closed on grace because we are afraid of what might happen. I think we do. <laughs> I think we do. I, I think it's a lack of trust in God that we don't bestow grace upon others. I, th- I think it's a lack of confidence in his, um, we sang about this morning, in, in his sovereignty that we don't allow one another to be who we are and let God work it out as we follow him together in faith. And I will say, by the way, from Jude, that he said not only do they exchange grace for, for um, immoral uh, behavior, but they deny that Jesus is master and Lord. You see, because that's the catch, isn't it? That he is righteous, that he does know our hearts, that he does understand the end game. And, and that if we deny as believers in Jesus that he is Lord and master of our life, then that, that, that will be settled. But in the meantime, what do we share? Last verse here. We'll close with this. I think it's always funny. I'll give you a heads up that we're closing in case you're like, I got to get out of here, man. I got to get out of here. <laughs> it's almost over. Check it out. Gospel of John, chapter 1. What a great portion of Scripture, by the way. The Gospel of John, um, and especially the opening verses. So beautiful. Um, I got to turn to myself. I'm so excited about it. Okay, here we go. Gospel of John, chapter 1. I'm going to read two verses, uh, 14 and 16. The Word became flesh. This is the condescension and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, and look what the word says, full of grace and truth. Jesus came from the Father full of grace and truth. Little baby, full of grace and truth. 12-year-old boy in a temple, full of grace and truth. 30-year-old man, baptized, called forth, full of grace and truth. The healer, savior, Lord, master, friend, full of grace and truth. I'm going to skip 15 and go to 16. You can read 15. I'm not trying to avoid it. From the fullness of his grace, we have all received what? One blessing after another. From the fullness of God's grace, from the fullness of Jesus Christ, we have received blessing upon blessing upon blessing. Or, as other translations might say it, we have all received grace upon grace. This great introduction of Jesus to the world. Um, John, who says, I'm the beloved disciple. I'm the one that was, he really loves me, man. When he talks about it, he says, from Jesus, full of grace and truth, we have received grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. And then uh, I say, well, how? How are our hearts strengthened by grace? Do you feel that this morning? Do you feel it a recognition that in Jesus Christ we have grace upon grace upon grace? Our hearts are strengthened. They have a solid foundation, a trust that goes beyond the grave. I, I, I know you. I love you. I can trust you. You're my God. You condescended to save me. He condescended to save us. 
I heard another story in the news this week. You might have heard it also. And I'm naming names this morning. I think, name, I think names are important, right? And there was a woman, and I'm a, um, her name is Kelly Renee Gisson Danner. Gisson Danner, something like that. I can't say it. It's a really long name. Do you, anybody know who that is? Yeah? Um, Kelly Rianne Gisson Danner was a convicted murderer in the state of Georgia, and she was put to death this week. Do you guys hear about that? Yeah. I, right? Now, you, now we know. Oh, that's, that's who that is. Convicted murderer. Um, found rightly guilty of her crime. She had conspired to have her husband killed, I think by her lover. I didn't read all the details of it. But I was amazed by what others who witnessed her death were amazed by is that after um, apologizing to the families for all the grief, after saying, wait, if there's any way I could take and exchange my life for the life that was wrongly taken because of me, I would do it. She said two things. Uh, tell my kids that I love them and tell them that I died singing Amazing Grace. I don't know how long she'd been in prison, years and years and years, waiting all these trials and uh, appeals and, and everything. But in the end of her life, she had ministered. She had um, claimed Christ as Savior. And she had um, been in, in the prison ministering to people. And it was important for her to... Her kids to know. By the way, her kids couldn't be there. You may have heard because they were trying to get an appeal for a stay of execution for their mom. They had to choose. They went to try to save her life and couldn't witness her death. And I go, wow. God, how am I supposed to feel about that? A murderer. Unfaithful woman. Someone in society has washed their hands of. And she says, no, Jesus is mine. And she sang the song, Amazing Grace, as she died. In a radical inside out, upside down kind of way. That's what we're talking about with the gospel. I don't know her heart. I don't know her eternal condition. I know, I pray, God forbid, where I had to be found guilty and dying right, rightly for my guilt, I would say the words, amazing grace, how sweet the sound, save the wretch like me. That's the gospel, whether we're convicted or not. So a couple questions. Um, who in your life needs to know the grace of God? Like, who has God put in your life that, that needs to know the ridiculous grace that God has bestowed on his people through Jesus? Or what areas of your life and my life do we need to recognize that we are all, we are all sinners? And it's not about condemning the world. It's about saying, yeah, I get it, because I'm a sinner too. To really know that. Or, or the, that we are all falling short of the glory of God. And then lastly, and this is maybe the, the dash light, you know, on your spiritual car. <laughs> um, do you find that your relationship with Jesus is drawing you toward humility and brokenness and love or self-righteousness and judgment and condemnation? And I'm not putting that on you. I'm saying that as someone who sits with you in that burden, that struggle, that dashboard line. No matter where you are, you can know Jesus. He died to bring the gospel to us, and he sent faithful servants to preach good news to the nations, and it, that's what we're doing here. It's not a magic trick. It's real. It's not fake. It doesn't ha it's not a pretend on Sunday thing and, and act crazy on Saturday thing. It's Jesus for real, claiming lies for his glory. The faith struggle is real. I'll be, I mean, the faith struggle is real, but he is invading our lives with grace. And if you don't know that for yourself today, I just pray you would talk to him with me as I pray. Pray with me. Oh, Father God, we thank you so much for your grace to us. We thank you that you um, loved us and others enough 
um, all people for all time enough that you would um, send your Son and our Savior, Jesus, to come and live among us, the great gift of salvation. We thank you, Father, that you didn't stop there with Jesus, but when he ascended, he said, the Holy Spirit will come and minister to us in our deepest hurts, in our times of need, and that we will be bound up and made strong. And we recognize, Father, that all of these things, that your presence, that Jesus' sacrifice on the cross for our sin, that the gift of the Holy Spirit dwelling in us and battling for, for your righteousness and for your new life, that all these things are nothing more or nothing less than a gift from your hand to us who are sinners. Father, I pray as much as we are able that we would, we would turn to you, that we would believe good news, that we would live a, a life of righteousness. But I pray, Father, also that for those of us who try to reach the top of that bar and we just can't make it, that we recognize that the bar is brought to us in Jesus' name. Amen.